You know, if you get to spend your day, if you get to spend your birthday doing something you love and with people you love, you're blessed. And so I consider myself blessed today uh, to be here with you. And um, I have fond memories of Mission Sunday. Now you, the, the, you don't always have to invite me. I won't be offended if you don't, but uh, as long as I'm invited, I'm going to come. I remember one year coming directly from Mombasa, Kenya to get here, and I wasn't sure I could even get here because the Memphis airport was shut down because of ice and snow. You might remember that was like maybe three years ago or something. Uh, but I did finally make it, but, I, but because of where I'd been coming from, I had to borrow clothes from Andy Simpkins. And so I wasn't very well dressed that day. It was a very unstylish day, but I was happy to be here and, and have many fond memories of being here with you at Valley View. Uh, when I was asked to come this year, I said, what if we do something just a little bit different this year? Instead of talking about missions, what if we talked about giving? And so I requested to, to ask, to, or I asked to talk about that because ultimately, Missions Sunday is about what? It's, it's about giving. And ultimately, we give every Sunday. And in reality, Christians are called to give in many ways every day. We give love, we give forgiveness, we give mercy, we give money, we give understanding, we give the benefit of the doubt. Christianity was based, is based on a gift. God gave his son. Jesus gave his life. Christianity is founded on giving. And to be who God wants us to be, we are also givers. And so I want us to think about giving this morning, but perhaps in a different way than you've thought about it before. I want us to think about the motivation for our giving. When you gave today, there's a place in the back where you can walk by and put something in. If you put something in, regardless of the amount, that's not the, the relevant part. The, the relevant part for our consideration today is why. Why did you put something in that box? Why did you write that check? Why did you do that electronic transfer? Why did you give? This morning, we're going to notice five motivations for giving. And in a number this size, I have no doubt that every one of these five possible motivations is represented. And all of us are somewhere on along this spectrum of motivation for giving. Uh, one lady who was in the first uh, service came to me and afterward, and she said, I've been on all five. And I said, I think I know exactly what you mean. So as we go through these possible motivations for giving this morning, I want you to just think and consider where you are. Because ultimately it's about spiritual maturity. And the more mature we are and the, and the better the reason for giving, the better giving feels. We want to feel good. And the truth is God wants us to feel good and he wants our giving to feel good. So how can we make that happen? That's our focus this morning as we talk about giving that feels good. We will be in the book of 2 Corinthians. We will be looking at uh, throughout in different parts in chapters 8 and 9. 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 is basically all about giving. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, but he's talking about the, the Christians in Macedonia who had demonstrated great generosity despite their poverty. And so chapters 8 and 9 is all about giving. So when we, we read passages, we're not taking anything out of context, but rather in the context. So what about these possible motivations for giving? Number one, the first motivation is guilt. I give because I'm going to feel guilty if I don't. And this is what we call have-to giving. 
I feel like I have to give. Now, I know you, uh, at least currently, are not passing the plate anymore. But, you know, there's been time when we did pass the plate. I know there, there are times that even if you just forgot to write the check and, and you had a legitimate reason and you knew you were going to make it up, you still felt bad when the plate came by that you didn't put something in it. And, and it felt like maybe every eye in the auditorium was on you observing the Passover, just passing it on to someone else. And you felt bad about that, felt guilty. And, uh, and so you give because you don't want to have that feeling. I understand it. We don't want to have that feeling. But look at what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. He says, let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. In other words, not because you think you have to. Why? Why doesn't God want that to be our motivation? He says, for God loves a cheerful giver. And you know, all of us are the same way. Uh, today's my birthday. I've, I, I really uh, should have left my phone in the car because it has been blowing. I, I can feel the text. I can feel phone calls. I can feel all kinds of stuff that I'm going to get to later on. I'm thankful for all of that. And I appreciate that people did that because they wanted to. But now, just imagine, and guys, I want you to try this on your next wedding anniversary. I want you to get your wife something and say, here's a gift. I was going to feel bad if I didn't give you something, so here it is. How's that going to go? Oh, you're just going to win her heart with that, aren't you? You know, she's going to say, you know what? How about you just take it back? I mean, if that's your attitude, I really don't want it. And you feel that way. God feels that way. God doesn't want us giving because we feel like we have to, and we want to protect ourselves from feeling any guilt if we don't do it. But the reality is, for a lot of people, especially new Christians perhaps, that is the beginning motivation. I feel like I have to do it, and so I'm going to do it. Well, with each one of these motivations, we're going to look at the strengths and weaknesses. One of the, well, really the only strength of guilt giving is that it does account for some additional resources to be used for ministry that would not have been present otherwise. So the guy that says, I really don't want to, but here's a 20, so I don't feel bad. Well, that 20 is going to get put to good use. And so, you know, if we're looking at the whole of it, that, that's a good thing. The weakness of this motivation is that it's unbiblical. I mean, look at what we just read. God doesn't want our giving because we feel like we have to, or because we ought to, or because we're going to feel like we're going to be guilty if we don't. But I'll tell you one thing, and think, I think perhaps many of you can identify with this, Guilt has often been used as a motivation to give. I can, I've heard preachers, basically, you need to give or you're a dirty, rotten scoundrel and you ought to feel bad, basically. And I don't know, maybe you've heard the similar, uh, a similar pitch. Well, we can do better than that because that's not what God wants. And so it's unbiblical to even play on someone's guilt to get them to give. That's not where we need to be. And so it's an unbiblical motivation, and it doesn't bring any joy. No joy at all. God loves a cheerful giver, but when I give out of guilt, there's no joy. I, I don't feel any cheer. By the way, this word cheerful is linguistically is related to our word for hilarious. 
God loves somebody who just absolutely loves, just thinks it's great, enjoyable to give. That's what God loves. And so perhaps some here today are giving out of guilt. I want you to consider that that's not, it. That's not only not what God wants, it's not even what you want. It doesn't help you have joy. It doesn't help you outgrow materialism. It doesn't help you help point your heart in God's direction. So let's think about another motivation. If you're in guilt, you can do better than that, and I think you want to do better than that. Motivation number two is a little, little bit more mature, and it's responsibility. I am giving today, I gave, because I feel like I ought to. I mean, I'm a member of this congregation. I benefit from the expenditures that are going on in this congregation. Those expenditures are just normal and natural, and hey, I'm a part of it, and so I'm going to try to do my part. And so perhaps many people give because it, they feel the responsibility because they ought to do it. Look with me, if you will, at 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 7. He says, but just as you, remember the context is giving, but just as you abound, grow, excel in everything, in faith, utterance, knowledge, earnestness, the love we inspired in you, see that you abound in or grow in this grace also. What grace is he talking about? The giving, the, the generous, specifically the generous giving the Macedonians did. He says, just as you want to grow in faith and love and knowledge, and every mature Christian does want to continue to grow in those things, you should also want to grow in your giving. And this passage implies that there is a level of responsibility involved in our giving. And there is. We are a part of this body, not only a part of God's church, but specifically a part of this body. And so we have a responsibility to do our part, to make sure the things that are happening are happening. And so we give because we ought to. Well, there are strengths and weaknesses to this motivation as well. I think one of the strengths is that because the, the funds we give are used for ministry, that feels better than if I'm only giving out of guilt. At least I feel like I'm contributing my part, and so that feels better. Another benefit, I think another uh, strength of this motivation, is that people are learning or at least acknowledging responsibility. We live in a culture that increasingly seems to be okay with not pulling their share of the load, with just coasting on the coattails of someone else. And so if you are one who appreciates and recognizes your responsibility as a part of the whole, then we applaud you for that level of, of maturity, that you realize you too are responsible. And that's good. Because that is a healthy trait, and it's a Christian virtue. But I would say that there are a couple of weaknesses to this. One of these is that if I'm giving only out of responsibility, it does limit the joy that I receive. Because it, while it is mature to, do, to be responsible, it doesn't always feel good, Right? We've got an arrangement at my house where when the, the kitchen garbage can gets full, I have the responsibility to take it out. 
And, you know, I'm mature enough that I usually do that. And uh, you know what? I've not once ever received any joy from doing that. In fact, at times I've received a lot of frustration. There was a leaking bag and there was a mess and all that stuff. And, and, and I'm really mad and upset. And, and there wasn't any joy at all. But I did my responsibility, okay? Well, so if we're only being responsible, we're probably not feeling the joy that we could otherwise. I would say also that when people give only out of responsibility, in a way that's a legalistic approach that can make me think, now I've done my part. I put something in that box this morning when I came in. Don't call me about anything on Monday or something that needs to be done on Thursday or a widow who needs her her yard raked on Saturday. I've done my part, you see, because I did my responsibility. Well, there's a lot more to Christianity than just our giving. And so be careful about thinking that it's only because it's your responsibility. We we can mature beyond that. I want to share with you a poem that I think very well states that idea. It's called, I Ought. I Ought. It's easy to think I ought is the end, the ultimate Christian ambition. But ought wears thin at a quarter to ten when you really want to go fishing. I should sounds good, but it's as dead as wood when it comes to doing what's right. For the good that I could, what my head knows I should, I usually don't in a tight. Somewhere in life, in all of our strife, there must come this noble transition that turns fear into love and ought into want. This is the nobler condition. For if all our teaching just has us reaching for that which I should or I ought, I strongly surmise that we've closed our eyes to the real truths Jesus taught. I want is the thing that gives life its zing and puts our money where our mouth is, that gives us direction, provides our correction, and keeps our feet where our doubt is. So, When you would do a thing that you should, but you know from your past that you won't, if you have faith as a grain, you'll find it's no pain to do what you ought if you want. It's true, isn't it? So let's move, just mature beyond I ought to, and move to the third motivation, and that is I want to. This is needs giving. I'm giving The reason I give is there are needs that I want to be a part of helping meet. And this feels a lot better because it feels good to help out where we can. Some of us perhaps think, you know, there's not a lot I can do. I don't know what I can do. But then when we find some need that we can help meet, it feels good to do that. When we look in, going back to our text, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 13 through 15. Remember, Paul's writing to the Corinthians, but he's letting them know about a need that some of their brethren have. He says, For this is not for the ease of others and for your affliction, but by way of equality at this present time, your abundance being a supply for their want, that their abundance also may become a supply for your want, that there may be equality, as it is written, He who gathered much did not have too much and he who gathered little had no lack 
Paul is letting them know that it's a good thing to share the news with needs that are present. And when he shared this need with the Corinthians, the, uh, the Corinthians were helping out to fulfill and meet the needs of their brethren, but, but most of whom I'm sure they probably did not even know. But they knew there was a need, and so they helped out. And knowing a need and then helping provide that need really kindles a joy in us. And perhaps all of you have experienced that, where there was some special need announced, and, and you hadn't planned on giving, and it maybe wasn't even in the budget, but you did it, and it felt good. You know what I'm talking about. Well, what are the strengths and weaknesses to this? Well, uh, the strength of giving to meet needs is that it feels really good. It really does feel good to know that that I can be involved in this. It provides a cheerful heart because we know that we get to help out. And I've never yet, I've met some really generous people who have really sacrificed to make some good things happen. I've not heard one ever express regret. We had a, I had a situation, won't bore you with the details, but raising money for food for people who were starving. And one man I knew, he sent me, I ended up being the collection point, he sent $1,500, it's all by PayPal, he sent $1,500. And I know him, he's a preacher in a small church, and I thought he had made a mistake and put an extra zero. Thought he meant $150, and I, I panicked when I saw the $1,500, because I thought, i got to you know, get a hold of him and send some back. And, and I first said, did you mean to do that? And he said, Absolutely. And then he said these words, he said, we, his family, we waste money on junk we don't need. It's about time we do something good with it. Amen, right? I mean, maybe you know that feeling because you've done that. He had zero regrets about that, and I've never met anybody who ever did. I grew up in South Georgia, go dogs. And uh, there was a man in, in that area who had done really well in business. W word was he was worth about $3 million, his net worth. And over some time, he had given about a million dollars worth to good works and, and charities and things like that. And then there came a downturn, and he, his fortune went away, and he was back to zero. And someone said to him, I bet you regret giving that million away. And he immediately said, absolutely not. And then he said these words. He said, the only thing I have left is what I gave away. You think about that. It feels good. It feels good to meet needs. And it's a good thing. And this motivation touches our heartstrings. And it encourages people to learn the discipline of sacrificial giving. Because we know that we can help. One man ask his friend what did you do this week and he said well on monday i was involved in hurricane relief work off the coast of florida and on tuesday i taught in a preacher training school in the philippines and on wednesday i was teaching bible lessons to children in the jungles of south america and on thursday i provided christian compare and, uh, christian care and compassion to people in africa and on Friday, I took care of orphans in an orphanage in India. And at that point, his friend said, stop. Even with the, the advances in travel, I know you didn't do all that this week. And he said, oh, no, I did that all this week. 
And I do that every week. Because every Sunday, I give as I've been prospered. And the church is involved in those works every single week, and so am I. That feels good. And what, what a, a, a great feeling that is. So there are strengths to being involved in meeting needs. I, I would say there is a weakness, if we're going to point out everything, there is a weakness to that, and, and it's this. If my giving is based on meeting needs, then it's also limited by my perception of a need or awareness of a need or my approval of a need uh, because the, the reality is the church has ongoing needs that don't really pull on the heartstrings i mean i'm looking around and i see electric bills i i know implied is insurance there's a water and sewage bill there's a dumpster pickup fee and, and if today we said, hey, we got to have this big special contribution because we got to have the dumpster unloaded, nobody's heartstring is really pulled on that. In fact, we're thinking, I'll just wait and hope somebody else takes care of that, right? And so if I'm only giving to meet needs, it's going to be limited by my knowledge of or approval of the said need. But otherwise, what a great way to give and what joy we find in giving because we want to meet needs there's a fourth motivation to consider as we run along this spectrum of spiritual maturity and it's thanksgiving this is where i give because i feel like i have to or ought to or even because i want to it's because i can't help it i'm so grateful that I'm looking for a way to express my gratitude to God, and I can't help it. It's just, it's just my way of showing thanks to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 10, he says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for your sowing and, uh, and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all your liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. So God has blessed us, we've been generous, He's blessed us more, and made us even more thankful. And then he says this in verse 12, For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because, the proof, because of the proof given this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ, and for the liberality of of your contribution to them and to all, while they also by prayer and on your behalf yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Paul is saying we were blessed with a describable gift, the resources we have. We help them liberally and generously to, with other people in return, God blessed us even more in a describable way. But ultimately, he says, we are thankful for God's indescribable gift. And you know who that is. And what he's saying is when you are thankful to God and when you recognize that he's given us not only all we have, he's already given us this indescribable gift, it is natural and normal to look for a way to express that gratitude. If there's someone who has done something good for you, Maybe not even a monetary way, but they helped you in some way. You might think, how can I, what can I do? 
And giving gives you a tangible way to express gratitude toward God. And it feels really, really good. The strength of it is it feels very good because this points our hearts to God's direct, in God's direction. I think it also, in addition to being a tangible way to, to thank God, I think it makes us aware of God's work, God's influence in our life. Because God blesses us, doesn't He? But if we're not in tune to that, if we're not looking for that, we won't always notice it. But God blesses us in so many ways. I was recently in a country visiting one of our schools. We were driving along the road early, early in the morning, and we hit something. And uh, it turns out it was an animal. And uh, I realized it wasn't a flat tire. I thought I was relieved. And then suddenly we started backing up down the road. And, and I said, what are we doing? They said, we're going to go back and get it so we can eat it. And we did. We put that roadkill in the trunk and off we went. And as we drove away, I thought, how blessed am I? I've never felt the need to get roadkill. How blessed am I? And, and when we are aware of our blessings and how good God has been to us, not only physically but spiritually and otherwise, we can't help it. We have to give, and it feels really, really good. Perhaps the only weakness to this is if my giving is determined by my thankfulness, then my giving will also be limited by my perception of my thankfulness. I, I, I felt incredibly grateful that morning as we drove off with a dead animal in our trunk. I felt very grateful. I don't always feel that way. And so if I'm, my giving is limited by my thankfulness, then it may or determined by my thankfulness, it may be also limited by my perception or my awareness. God blesses me even when I'm not aware of it. You ever consider that? That's how blessed we are. His blessings are not dependent on me being aware of or even grateful for them. But He does it anyway. And so that's perhaps the only weakness to giving out of thanksgiving, because we can't help it. It is normal, it is natural human behavior to give out of gratitude. George White lived in a rented room in a YMCA in Chicago. George was very poor. He only had one set of clothes, one threadbare coat to, to survive Chicago winters, and one pair of shoes whose soles had to be held on with a rubber band. George would spend his mornings napping in an old metal chair in the back of the 18th precinct. They let him come in out of the cold and, and be in there. And there were two particular officers that took a, a liking to George and, and apparently, you know, occasionally would give him a few dollars. Katowski and Mitch were the names of those officers. In talking with George, they found out that Jimmy the Greek down at the G&W Grill gave him breakfast every morning at no charge. And so they, they felt good that at least George would have one meal a day. Christmas time came around, Katowski and Mitch invited George to come to their family get-together for Christmas. The two families got together, and they invited George to be their guest. He was shocked that they would invite him, but he went. And they had a good meal together, and he enjoyed being in their comfortable home and, and with these two loving families that he didn't have. And then, to his surprise, they gave him a gift. 
Well, George was not expecting to receive a present. He's not a part of the family, but they gave him a gift, and he says, this is really for me. And they said, it is. Still in shock, he began to carefully unwrap the present so as not to tear the paper. Got the paper off, opened the box, and there was his gift. And he was just overwhelmed that they would do that, that they would give him this gift. Well, they got ready to take him back to the YMCA, and, and he got in the car, and the two men were driving him, and he said, is this really my present? And they said, yes, it's for you, George. And with that, he closed the box, and he began to rewrap the present. And he said, can you stop at the GNW grill? I need to see Jimmy. They stopped there, and he went in, and he found Jimmy the Greek, the man who gives him breakfast every morning. And that gift he had just been given, he gave to Jimmy and said, Merry Christmas. You see, when we're thankful, when we realize we've been blessed, it is natural to give back to those who have blessed us. And when we give for this reason, it feels really good. But there's one more, one more motivation that's possible in our, uh, this, this uh, spiritual maturity spectrum, and it's what I call worship. Worship. This is when we give because it has now become my nature. It is my nature now to give. And I know we talk about the five avenues of worship, and I don't have a uh, a quibble with that but we you know we say the giving is is one of the avenues of worship and it is but but i'm wondering from god's perspective if it really feels like worship when i'm just doing something because i think i have to or even because i just ought to but when it reaches this level of maturity that's when it seems like it really does go up to god as a sweet aroma that he truly is worshiped by one of his children who not only loves him so much but whose spiritual maturity has reached the point that it's just my nature now and i give look at what he says in second corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5 here's the key he says and this not as we had expected but they first gave themselves to the lord and to us by the will of god there's the key there's the key that, to giving that feels good. There's the key to giving that's so generous and sacrificial that it really makes a difference. That's the key. First, give ourselves to God. And there, the, these Macedonians to whom he's referring, their relationship with God was so deep and so meaningful that it even affected their financial decisions. Even that flowed from their relationship to God. In the class, I told you about some of the schools that you are involved in. You're making a big difference. And, and every one of those, you've been the only funder, the only supplier for those schools from their beginning until now. And, and some of you sacrificed to make that happen. And the seeds that you planted are blooming for all of eternity. Literally, we won't know how much has been done. But do you know that even individuals and families could even do that those those schools because we know uh, the economics of the place we we can run things on a pretty tight budget most of those schools that you are involved with operate on 75 dollars a week and that's not per student that's per school 
So you may have a school that's got 25 students that are all being trained with the same curriculum to be preachers and who are going out and preaching, and that even includes some missions money for $75 a week. And what if we had more Christians who said, you know what, there's, there's this I could give up in a week, and there's this I could stop doing, and I could start doing this. Or three families who get together and say, you know what, if y'all do 25 a week, let's support an entire preacher training school. These things are all easily done, but only when our spiritual maturity reaches the point where we, even our financial decisions, flow from our relationship with God. That's where the Macedonians were. That's where we want to be, and we can be. God has been so good to us, and worship is the highest motivation. Uh, there, there is no weakness to this one. There's only a strength. There are only strengths. Because in this motivation, it creates true commitment. It pleases God. It allows uh, more work to be done to, for those things that are important to God. And it feels good too. That's the highest motivation. This morning, I, I hope that you have been introspective enough and honest enough to, to be able to see where you are on the spectrum. And like I said, we've all been on all over the, the map, so to speak. And wherever you find yourself, if there's room for improvement, I want to encourage you to be disciplined, to be committed to improving and growing in this grace also. God is the source of all of our blessings. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18 Moses tells the Israelites before they go into the promised land where everything was going to be so good, he says, you're going to have it great. You're going to have it made. You're going to have it better than ever before. But remember this, it is even, it's God who gives you even the ability to gain wealth. Everything we have, from, have comes from God, even the ability to get comes from God. He is the source of all of our blessings. Do we share his heart to use those for those things that are important to him? Bob McCoon was a senator from, the, I believe, the state of Florida. And he told a story about one time taking his young family to a fast food place. And they got the burgers and fries and put them down on the table. And, and while they were sitting there, he reached out to take a french fry off of his little boy's tray. And he said, I was shocked because when he reached out, his son grabbed his hand, pushed it away, and said, don't take my fries. He said, I was shocked by that, and I began to think. And later he would write this down. He said, what my son doesn't understand is I bought those fries. I put my hand in my pocket. I paid for them. I am the source of his fries. He said, what he also doesn't understand is I don't need his fries. I can go buy my own fries. He said, what he also doesn't understand is I can take those fries. He said he also doesn't know that if I wanted to, I could go back to the counter, buy 10 orders of fries, and cover him in fries. And then he concluded with this. He said, what I really wanted was for my son to be willing to share with me what I had already given to him. I think that's where God is. God has blessed us. God loves us. He wants us to share his heart.
for the things that really matter. Why do you give when you give? If you need to respond this morning, you have an opportunity now. If you've never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, today you can repent of those sins and be baptized and and wash them away forever as if they'd never happened. Maybe this morning you have a need for, uh, to, for us to pray with you and pray for you. If there's some way that we can help you this morning, we stand ready and willing to assist you right now while we stand and while we sing.